G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at reedgoosens.com. And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. A lot of times it has, it actually comes down to real estate, right? So, you know, a business owner that owns, I'm sorry, owns its own real estate and releases it to the business, you know, they have this productive asset that no matter what happens to the to the business itself, they still have the real estate asset and and they can collect revenue from it. Um, and they don't have to, you know, once they, re, you know, step away from the business or, or give it to a family member or sell it, um, they, they aren't reliant on that other person for continued cash flows. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate. A podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show.
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Flores Wilson. David has been a senior wealth manager and financial planner at Watts Capital in New York City for over nine years. His, one of his goals is to increase financial literacy because it is not taught in most schools and it is so important to understand and learn as people grow. He believes that money is an important topic and wants to be the advocate that people deserve and help them handle their own money and finances. He advises and coaches business owners and professionals on a broad spectrum of financial matters as they progress towards their financial goals and dreams. I'm really pumped and excited to have you on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get him out of here. G'day, David. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Doing well. Great to be here, Reed. Mate, I am super excited to have you on the show. But before we dive into the show, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Sure, Reed. Um, you know, when I was a kid, about seven or eight years old, my, my grandparents, you know, they had two small businesses, they had a retail store, uh, as well as a farm. And, you know, myself, along with my cousins and, and a lot of my extended family, you know, we'd spend weekends and even summers kind of just working on that farm. You know, planting watermelons, picking mangoes, uh, you know, tending to livestock, and um, you know, so usually work you know, six or seven hours Saturday, a little bit on Sunday, and then when it's time to to finish up the day and get ready for school, um, you know, I usually get ten dollars for working all weekend, and if I was lucky, I got twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that um, you know, as time went on, I think. I started, uh, I would take that money on Monday morning, go to the local comic book store and I, you know, amassed this, you know, several thousand comic book collection and I would buy and sell them to the, the kids in the neighborhood. And so, uh, it's no, it's no surprise. They ended up uh, investing for people and, and kind of finding value and, um, and, uh, allocating capital in terms of uh, what I do on a data basis. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I always, it's always a really good indicator of how people grew up making a little bit of money, pocket change on the weekends and, uh, Helping mum and dad and grandparents in and around the house, getting the finger, you know, dirt under the fingernails is really a good indicator of uh, how hard you're going to slog as an entrepreneur. But mate, connect the dots. What, walk us through your journey through, you know, from back in the day to now. Uh, Where did you go to school and how did you start down this road of entrepreneurship? Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Guam and after, you know, after high school, I ended up at UC Berkeley in California. And... You know, actually, like a lot of my classmates, I ended up in investment banking uh, in here in New York City. And, uh, you know, while, you know, investment banking is, you know, I found it very, you know, it was challenging and there was very smart people to work with, but, you know, don't really have control over your schedule and, and the hours were late. And, you know, I remember that one time it was sort of a, it might've been a Thursday or Friday and it was 11 o'clock at night. And I just had this big pile of work on my desk and, and one of my co workers just came by and we were the last ones there and said, Hey, you know what? I heard you took this CFA exam. And, uh, you know, so that means you, you should be able to, you know, choose my 401k allocations. Right. And of course, <laughs> you know, I didn't really know how to do it, but, uh, you know, I took a stab at it and I just put all that work I had aside and finished it up. And, um, you know, and that coworker told another coworker and, and before you know it, I was, I was doing this sort of financial advising as a hobby on the side and, you know, you know, even I put together a, a rent versus buy spreadsheet about, uh, you know, for real estate in New York City and, and you know, that got circulated around the office. And so, uh, you know, you know, that translated to, uh, you know, you know, switch careers and, and, and decided to make uh, uh, financial planning my my career back in uh, 2009 and, and here I am. So. Nice. And so the whole idea was just in and around, like, what was that, I guess, dichotomy that you were 
challenge within the day job of the investment banking versus doing and being more with the financial advising and what what was the the the, the aha moment that tipped in your brain to take you down a completely different path sure you know I, it wasn't my passion you know investment you know, helping companies and institutions um, you know squeeze out more revenue or grow their balance sheets it uh, you know wasn't fulfilling it was intellectually challenging and and I found uh, you, know, we're, you know my colleagues were, were great to work with but you know when I started doing those you know advising people and helping people and, and the sort of very goal specific things um, it's just much more rewarding and it became my passion and and uh, and frankly you know it you know, discovered this was my passion but then um, you know, I have some big regrets, right? So I, I discovered what my passion was and, and what did I do? I waited maybe two, three years before going all in on it. And, you know, a big part of what I do is planning so people don't have to wait on their goals and wait on their dreams. And, you know, they can just, we put together the steps and, you know, they implement them and, and, uh, and they can achieve whatever their goal is, whether that's financial freedom or, uh, you know, putting their kids to college or, or building a real estate portfolio and doing things like that. So. That's interesting because, you know, I'm hearing that stuff has evolved for you over time and, you know, you've gone to UC Berkeley, got the career in investment banking and, you know, did the path well trodden, but now feeling like the inside boy or inside child that was, you know, sort of screams out to us to take a different path. So in that being said, what makes you tick today compared to what made you tick, say, 10 years ago? Yeah, I think that, you know, the people that we work with, these, uh, you know, 70, 80 families that, you know, essentially have entrusted their, you know, their hopes and their dreams and their financial future uh, with me and my team. And I think that, um, you know, just doing the best I can for them because, uh, you know, when we do a good job, uh, you know, like their dreams do come true. I mean, it sounds a little cheesy, frankly, but uh, <laughs> um you know, there's just a lot of things people don't know when it comes to financial planning. And, you know, if we can help people, you know, not make these common mistakes, then uh, we can get them closer to, to you know, because money isn't everything, but it, it really just touches all these different parts of our lives, whether it's, you know, these different life events, where, you know, getting married, having kids, uh, you know, buying a business, selling a business, retiring. And if we could, think through these issues and say, hey, these are the kind of things we should consider before they actually happen and, you know, have a roadmap for people to follow and um, things go a lot more smoother and, and, and we're all kind of better off. And, you know, as you alluded to, that, you know, this isn't taught in schools, right? So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, my dad was a CPA and, uh, you know, even at the dinner table, he would give me these sort of little tidbits of financial knowledge and, and you know, he had a home office and, clients would come through. And I think that, you know, a lot of people didn't, you know, they weren't really exposed to that. And, um, and so, you know, that, that's sort of my goal is to, you know, twofold to focus on, you know, people I can help directly. And then also, you know, to produce content that people can, can read it and, 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 and uh, you know, implement some of these actionable strategies that, uh, that I've learned. So. And essentially to educate people, right, about the benefits of being financially, having a financial IQ. You know, a lot of, well, there's a lot of books out there about, you know, Robert Kiyosaki is, you know, the famous Rich Dad Poor Dad, one sure. that I'm very, very familiar yeah. with at the start of my whole career. But, but to your point, like, I remember when I was going to school, I had no idea about 
you know, creating a business and creating financial freedom for myself. And it wasn't until I picked up that book and, um, and really was that aha moment. So what, what do you, in your, in your mind and in your opinion, what are some of the big things that are missing in the average American in terms of just understanding finances and, you know, putting steps in place to, in order to achieve their goals and financial dreams? Sure. Um, well, I think there's sort of five broad categories. I would say that if, if people are probably getting, you know, let's say three or four of these right, uh, they're going to be on their way. And I think that, you know, it's, it's saving, it's investing, uh, it's protecting what they have. And then uh, as well, it's, it's minimizing taxes and, and then managing debt well. And so, um, you know, when it comes to saving, I think people should be you know, that tenet of just kind of paying yourself first, right? Uh, it's, uh, you know, when it comes to investing, you know, the hard part is sort of just the saving part, but then, um, you know, then, then you got you to gotta figure out where it goes. And, uh, and then once you have it, um, you know, you should be thinking about, okay, well, what could go wrong, right? Could you, you could lose your earning capacity. Um, you know, there could be a natural disaster. Um, and then when it comes to sort of, you know, the tax piece of it, I think that's, that's a really important piece that people miss in that, um, you know, there's just so many ways uh, in the U.S. tax code that people could be saving money um, uh, through, through tax management and, you know, they should be sort of, you know, saving in tax efficient ways and, uh, and spending in tax efficient ways through, you know, eight health savings accounts and 529s and, and uh, you know, thinking about real estate and that's right for them and, and so on and so on. Interesting. And so, so if I'm say I'm, you know, the average Joe Blow that's walked in off the street, wanted to sit down and said, Hey, David, you know, walk me through saving, walk me through investment, walk me through the, sure. what, what's the, I guess, think of it more like a Chinese menu. Like what's the yeah. appetizers, what's the main course and what's dessert that you offer along the road to educating your clients sure. to getting them to through the, through, through dinner, <laughs> so to speak. Sure. Sure. And I mean, I think before you sort of decide where to eat, um, yeah, you know, you have to kind of figure out what's important to yourself, right? I think that, and, and if we're doing things right, there's this alignment between, you know, their financial behaviors and, you know, what their values are. And, and then in between are sort of the goals, right? So we work, you know, upfront and ongoing with clients to say, hey, well, you know, what's really important to you? You know, is it, um, and, you know, we, like we physically take these, you know, value cards and lay them on the table and say, Hey, these are 50, 50 things that 50 different values, you know, philanthropy, family, religion, and so on. And let's whittle that down to 10 and then let's whittle that down to five. And so from that, we can sort of frame what our goals are. And then, um, then we can go and actually do these financial behaviors. Right. And so, uh, and as we, you know, put a plan in place and, and, and march towards achieving those goals. Well then, okay. Yeah. Then, uh, we should be doing that in, in a way that's, uh, consistent with our values. And then, you know, from there it's okay. Well, you know, you, you know, owning real estate could be one of your values, right? So, uh, and then we sort of look at all the, you know, the different types of investments and say, okay, well, you know, we recognize that, you know, you should have a certain amount of you know, stocks and bonds versus a certain amount in your home versus uh, investment real estate. And uh, we see if, you know, that allocation between those different types of buckets makes sense for your goals. Um, you know, because some t- for some people it doesn't. And some, you know, for some people, let's say, uh, you know, 
investing 80, 90% of their net worth in real estate is a really good idea. I mean, you know, there's tremendous tax benefits, um, you know, that passive investing once you retire, uh, you know, allows you to sort of reap the rewards. But for other people, it's just not appropriate, right? You know, because given, you know, passive investing is, is actual work, right? It takes management <laughs> and planning and, and you have to kind of know what your core competencies are. You know, is, are you going to be finding, is this an income play? Is this a growth play? You know, do you, are you the kind of person that's good at finding value and, and, and finding accelerating demographics? Or uh, are you able to see something that, and pay, you know, pay a lower price than another person can? Or, you know, is your competitive advantage, is it, you know, having a cost of capital that's lower than other investors. And so uh, those are all sort of things we, we want to talk through. But of course, we want to, we want to kind of get the, the values and the goals right first. So. Right, right. So that's, I guess that would be the, the entree, right? The value, understanding the values and the goals sure. around when someone's walked into David Flores Wilson's, you know, restaurant uh, of financial advice, because there's a lot of options out there for people, as you said, you know, people can, you know, with the, use the analogy of eating it anywhere they want, but, but yeah, I think it's really important that, you know, what you've just said there, changing financial behavior consistent with, the person's values. I think that was, that's very key. And I want a lot of listeners out there to, to, to think about that for 30 seconds. I'll, I'll repeat again, changing financial behavior consistent with their values. And I, it sounds like you have a very good process or mousetrap, so to speak, to, to help the average person who may not necessarily have the financial IQ at the beginning of the dinner <laughs> to yeah. walk them through in the entree, then into mains and then into desserts to become out the other side very clear with what the direction of their financial future will hold and how to get there, right? Have I summarized that correctly? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it really is a question of, okay, well, you know, it's just what's appropriate for them. Because I think, you know, people reach a point where, oh, you know, well, a return is a return, right? But um, if you sort of built in, you know, in the real estate world, you know, core competency in one area, well, then, then you start to, you know, you start to drift from, okay, well, you know, I was a hospitality real estate owner and now I want to, you know, buy all this multifamily. And, you know, on one hand, okay, well, you know, that makes you a little diversified and, you know, there's some complementary skills there, but, you know, it isn't what you're best at. So right. I think a lot of times we want to focus people on so that, uh, you know, we talked at the beginning that, you know, growing, you know, your family from, you know, a net worth of this, uh, you know, from the $5 million level to the $10 million level was a big deal. And, uh, cause you wanted to create a legacy and, and give to the causes that you care about. Um, but, uh, you know, sort of dabbling in these other things isn't really consistent with that. So I think we, you know, part of our, our job is, Hey, well, you know, let's, uh, acting sort of a coach. And well, you know, even though this over here looks, uh, like a great shiny object, let's, you know, stick to the plan. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now back into the show. So tell me a little bit about the uniqueness of your platform that you've created and what does differentiate you guys and your, and your team from any other you know, financial advice firms out there? Because there's a lot of them, right? And, and, and people could go anywhere. What, what makes you different? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, for us, it's the core beliefs, right? So it's a belief that people, you know, they truly deserve uh, objective advice that's in their best interest and it's affordable. And, uh, you know, secondly, I think that, you know, it's this, uh, you know, commitment to, you know, frankly, continuing education. I think that, uh, you know, as time marches on, there's just so many changes, uh, you know, in the tax code and legal structures in terms of investments as well. And, you know, we really owe it to our clients to, you know, to spend, you know, a lot of time, whether it's through the webinars, new certifications that, you know, can really help us, uh, you know, solve these problems and come up with creative solutions. And so, um, yeah, it's just this commitment to, you know, reasonable, affordable advice that's, uh, and, you know, being this true advocate for our clients and, uh, you know, cause you know, the 80 clients that we work with, they're, you know, they're our crew, they're, you know, what we think about and we're like, Oh, well, how, you know, how can we make their lives better sort of on a daily basis? And I think you bring up a really good point in and around like just, you know, looking at two sides of the coin. One side is obviously providing financial advice for people who may not necessarily have a great financial IQ, which is fantastic, but in and around the core business values that you've created, you've just talked about the other side of the coin, which then creates a tribe. Like you, 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 you talk about 80 clients and, and someone might be listening to anything. Oh, that's not very many. But the fact is you're, you have, you're very laser focused on affordability. Your core beliefs are very strong and that resonates with those 80 people. And through that, you're going to be able to grow essentially a very solid base of clients and, and referrals to help you grow your business, which I think is very important for anyone else, anyone out there listening. And if you can hear my, my underlying tones that, creating those core values in a business is very important to help you grow as a business throughout the, you know, throughout its life cycle. Um, talk to me a little bit about how finance has changed and what you see with your clients, how finance has changed in, in a particular business throughout the life cycle of that particular business. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, cause we, I guess we, we talked to a lot of different business owners, right. And, and I think that, you know, oftentimes uh, the overriding sort of, theme of a business owner's financial life is that this, this business is their baby and it, it comprises such a large percentage of their net worth. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of advisors, frankly, spend a lot of time sort of, okay, well, you should diversify out of the business, diversify out of the business. And I think, you know, frankly, that doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of business owners, right? So, you know, the business owners we work with- profitable, right? Yeah. I mean, if they're, you know, these rates of return of 20, 30, 40% per year, it's crying. You know, <laughs> yeah. Why, do, why does it make sense, uh, you know, to take money out and, you know, put it in the stock market where, you know, historically they can make eight or nine over long periods of time or in the bond market, make three or four or a combination thereof make six. And so, um, but yeah, we, we want to really think, okay, well, you know, how do we continue to add value to their personal life and their business because they're so intertwined. And, um, you know, and what do we do if the business goes sour? And so, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times it has, it actually comes down to real estate, right? So, you know, a business owner that owns, I'm sorry, owns its own real estate and releases it to the business, you know, they have this productive asset that no matter what happens to the, to the business itself, they still have the real estate asset and, and they can collect revenue from it. Um, and they don't have to, you know, once they you know, step away from the business or, or give it to a family member or sell it. Um, they, they aren't reliant on that other person for continued cash flow. So, so I think that, um, you know, that's a big driver of what we do is, and how do we think about that? Um, 
you know, that net worth part of it. I mean, there's, there's a client we work with that, you know, sold a business has done very well. Um, you know, it was in early forties, um, you know, but you know, is recently married and, uh, you know, a child's on the way. And so, uh, on one hand, you know, they want to go on great vacations and, and build a, uh, a, a, luxur- a luxurious house at the same time, you know, he wants to fund this new business and, 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 uh, um, you know, put in a sales team and a management team and, uh, uh, and make investments there and, and grow that business. So I think, you know, how do we do both is, is really the, the big question often. And, and how do we do both with, you know, how we do the business goals and satisfy that and, and create growth there, uh, without putting, you know, the family goals, uh, at risk. So, uh, no, it's fun. So. No, and is, is one of your big pieces of advice for, to, to help not necessarily recession proof a business because that's the right word, but to help reduce risk is to potentially buy the asset in which the business is located like that is that is that a piece of advice that helps you know smooth out or if you have that extra cash flow what do you do with it rather than maybe like shove it in the stock market as you said before that that might not necessarily have the reap the same rewards and has a bit of it has inherent risk in itself um is is that a is that a solid piece of advice that you give to most uh, business owners is to go out and buy the dirt that they're sitting on well in 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 terms of what business it is and you know just to give blacking advice, it's, you know, of course it depends, right? But right, right? <laughs> it, it, it does seem to be, you know, when we look at our client situation and say, okay, well, what are the risks here? How can we plan uh, to avoid these risks? You know, real estate comes up a lot. And, um, and oftentimes that is the solution is it is to buy, uh, you know, the property and, um, you know, that the business is operating in. That's awesome. No, I think that's, I think it's a really sound piece of advice because a lot of businesses out there and, and it goes back to the asset, right? What is, what does the the business itself have as an asset? If they, you know, is it, is it a, is it a bunch of clients that they just service and then they can go sell that onto another owner of that yeah. particular potential business where in real estate, you have a hard physical asset, which will always be there over the long period of time. And, yeah. and, you know, going to, uh, the risk of, of an operating service-based business, if it's a service-based business, you know, things in the market can change, which may make your business null and void, right? Or you might be selling a widget that, you know, someone comes with a better one and you don't have a business anymore. So you're not making 30, 40%, you're making nothing. And at the end of the day, you have nothing. There's no physical assets in the business besides a widget or a service. And if that is replaced by something else in terms of technology or the advancement of, of technology, then what do you got to let? What do you got left? Right, the business is worth zero, <laughs> and so how do you then? Okay, back to your point. It was like, well, if we own the dirt, the business lives in. If it's a physical, you know, we're providing a service out of out of a warehouse, or your the warehouse is producing a widget. It, it changes the um, the economics of that business to make it worth. Back to what you point you said before, the net worth of the overall business and the owners to make them more diversified and thus a little bit more quote unquote recession proof in that particular industry. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of different factors here, right. As well. Right. Uh, you know, there's, you know, tax implications and, right. and estate, estate planning. Uh, impl- planning going on there as well as, you know, is there, you know, someone in the family that's going to take over the business or you know, do they plan to sell? And, you know, you, you've probably heard all these, there's all these different stats about the, the number of businesses that will be, you know, the transferred in the next sort of, you know, 10 or 20 years as the baby boomers retire. And, um, but so many of these business won't sell because they're so heavily reliant on the business owner. And 
So a lot of our work is sort of to nudge people and say, hey, you know, we, we want to sort of have this business operate if, you know, something bad were to happen to you. And, um, and if the business can operate without you, well, then it's more saleable, right? Right. Um, and, you know, what, is, what are your thoughts on sort of selling the business versus, uh, you know, giving it to a family member, selling it to a family member? And then, you know, how do we think about your income post-business? Is that uh, through executive benefits? Is that through selling your stock? Is that uh, through, you know, reaping the rewards of the real estate? And so, you know, all those have different uh, financial and tax implications. And so, um, you know, we work with, you know, their CPAs and estate attorneys and kind of, okay, well, you know, this is what make, might make sense, but does this make sense from these, all these different perspectives? And, right. And, and you bring up a bit of a good point there. Do you, in it, and maybe you don't, but do you delve into the world of the business? You know, a business owner comes to you, Joe, Blow, whatever, and he is the bottleneck, right, of the yeah. business. And, it, and you can see that this is not really a saleable business because he's such a bottleneck, that person. Do you ever give advice or help them or direct them into someone who can give them advice to, in order to get them out of that bottleneck to create the systems in order to make it a saleable business? Sure, and and you know we we will sort of give them general principles, right? right. And uh, and in terms of uh, you know the research that we've seen or uh, just shed light on experiences that we've dealt with. Um, but I think that's where you know part of my job as well is to bring in these other experts and say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, well this person has a lot of experience in that uh, and sort of, you know, making your business uh, a viable asset to sell. And, and you right. know, obviously it means, um, you know, securing key employees and uh, uh, you intellectual know, making, property and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't that, that you give advice, but I'm sure you see it a lot, right. Uh, yeah. You know, back to that analogy of becoming in the business owner, uh, may not necessarily have the financial IQ because they've just been so engrossed with this business for 20, 30, 40 years that they can't get the blinkers off. They think, well, how the hell am I going to exit this business? And, 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 you know, all they're thinking about retirement or whatever. And they're like, thinking, oh gosh, I'm, I'm just such a, I'm chained to this desk. I'm chained to this business. How do I break the shackles? And I'm, do you see that a lot with business owners coming through your door? Yeah. I mean, it's happening more and more too. Right. So I think that, uh, um, my sense is that you have, and we've seen it again and again in terms of a, a business owner has a five-year plan to sell their business and, and that five-year plan kind of starts every year. Um, <laughs> you know, five, 10 years go by and they still have a five-year plan to sell their business. And right. you know, it, it's very, um, you know, there's sort of a, there's a big human element to what we do. And, and, and I think that many times, um, you know, when it comes to sort of stepping away from the business, well, they have to be stepping away to something, right? So I think that that's a big, people aren't really re ready to retire unless they've sort of visualized that retirement. They know what activities they're going to do. They, you know, are they going to be in uh, char charitable boards? Are they going to travel? Uh, you know, are they going to spend more time with their family, combination thereof? I think that unless they've done time sort of working backwards and visualizing that, they're frankly going to procrastinate on, on leaving the business, right? right. So um, and we've seen that a few times and, and, um, so because it is their baby, right? It's, it's, yeah. their, it's their thing that they've created, but to sure. that, to that other gentleman you, you've spoken with, it, it, you, you, I feel like you're in a really awesome position to see the juxtapositions that so many different people are in, uh, and dichotomies that, you know, you got that one gentleman that you spoke about who's exited a business at 40, very successful. 
but he's had the mindset to exit, right? He's always known that he's going to exit. Yeah. So he's set up the business in a different way. Yeah. He's come through those, those steps that you probably in a different way, you know, through the entree to the main course into dessert compared to the other person who's had it in the you know, business for 40 years and they're, just, they're very much set in their old school ways and got the blinkers on and there's those, those two different buckets of people. And, and I know for a fact that as an entrepreneur and you know, because you, you've, you've you know, niched and then you have to pivot into, into this world of financial advice, but to be successful, I think now, in my opinion, I'd love to know your opinion, nowadays you have to be okay with niching, getting into a business, but also also saying, okay, it's time to let it go and let the baby go and pivot into something else because you're, you're evolving. You're, you're, you're riding the wave of change in the world as, a, as the entrepreneurial surfer. Um, any, any sort of feedback on that? Because given that you see such those two opposing uh, yeah. in, in your clients? Sure. And, and, you know, we work with a few sort of, multi-generational family businesses right. and um and you know I, i'm just really pleasantly surprised sometimes in terms of just you know we see some steadfast uh resistance to sort of you know bringing on that second generation but you know if that you know if we put the right development plan in for that second generation and and they build up experience and they show their competency and they make good decisions and then you know that original generation has something sort of to retire to. And as well, there's, there's just more and more research out there that says, okay, well, you know, so many family businesses don't last, you know, Mm -hmm. that second or third generation. And um, so, you know, they see, they're worried about that. And and so I think that um, while there might be some resistance at first, there's uh, you know, over time, you know, it it does take time and it's just a question of whether it happens fast enough in terms of just um, you know, being able to let go. Because it's 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 very challenging, right? I, I right. Think, um, you know, being the head of an organization where uh, you know you know it could be five, ten, or a hundred people or more people rely on you and on your decisions, and then uh, then transitioning to a life where uh, you know of retirement and 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 working on completely different areas, and uh, you know it can be very jarring for some people, and I think that that's where. Uh, you know, if we're doing our job right, we're also prepping them on that side, not just sort of on the financial and tax implications and, and best practices in the business side. So. Right. And it goes back to your mousetrap that you were talking about earlier about the sitting down and looking at the values. Like, I think it's really such a, such a core piece of any financial planning, whether you have a successful business or you're trying to grow one, is to understand what those core values are because in and around that becomes ed- is education, right? And it takes it takes a third party like yourself outside a point of view to say, Hey, have you thought about X, Y, or Z in a, in a post business life? And you can still have the business. Maybe you're on the board, you know, but you've given up a bit more control, but you've been able to now use the business to, to good, to, 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 to support your values, uh, whether it be giving back or, or, or like yourself, you know, helping uh, getting financial literacy into schools, you know, whatever that might, whatever that makes that person tick. I think it's such an important integral part of what you preach uh, because that ultimately helps you know, uh, with the narrow, uh, navigate through um, through the different steps to get to that you know the, the, the financial quote-unquote goals or whatever that person might have or, yeah. or business might have so yeah, yeah. no without a doubt I mean it's it's the values that lead and then we can figure out structure after right. that right so if you want you know, control from that first generation, but ownership in that second generation, we can do that. We can find a way to make that work. And if you want, uh, 
you know, the ownership to remain with that first generation, but control completely given over to that second generation that works as well. And it, it's just, it's just, okay, well, what, what do you value more? What's most important to you? So, yeah. um, and then we'll just figure out the structure and, and work with everyone to make sure it's a, uh, it's efficient and, and tax efficient, all that kind of stuff. So. Awesome. Awesome. So mate, what, what is the, you know, what's the future going to hold for you? You know, you spent the last nine years building this business. What, what, what are you, where's the next nine years going to take you? Well, I think, uh, gosh, I'm just continue to, to work with clients. And I think that, uh, um, you know, I think we're, you know, obviously we hit some capacity issues at around a hundred clients. And so, um, you know, continue to expand my team and, and, uh, to produce content for, um, uh, you know, through the blog and other ways that can kind of get the message out on, on, and sort of disseminate these strategies and techniques that we picked up and, and hopefully people can find it useful. Awesome. Awesome, mate. Well, I want to thank you for, for, for sharing your knowledge on, on today's show. Um, but before you go, do you want to dive into top five investing tips? Sure. Sure. Mate, what is the daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Um, well, I guess it's not daily, but it's more like four or five times a week. But, uh, you know, I really love working out. I think yep. it, uh, it, it sort of helps me press the reset button. And whether that's through uh, yoga or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think that, uh, you know, both those things, you have to be very present. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what's going on in the world, you know, in the markets or, you know, family or clients, I can kind of just kind of focus on that and then kind of leave with a fresh perspective uh, after working out. So. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm just just went to the gym earlier today, and it's just yeah. always if I don't go, I start getting a little bit stir crazy. <laughs> you I know, know just run or go yeah. do something physical. So, uh, love it. Uh, what? Who has been the most influential person in your career? Yeah, I, I definitely definitely my dad. As I mentioned before, he's a you know he's a CPA, and um, you know not just sort of the tidbits of financial knowledge that he gave me as a kid, but you know as the clients were coming through in the home office. Um, I got to see, you know, how, how he, you know, really cared them, had the personal relationship and, and his, you know, his business ethics were unquestioned. I, I remember him, I remember being a kid and he telling me that, you know, there's a client or two that wanted to push the envelope uh, that, you know, further than he wasn't comfortable with. And, you know, so he fired them. Right. And uh, I think that uh, because he, you know, his values led and, and uh, you know, he wanted to work with people that uh, had the same values. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I think having, it goes back to your early childhood stories of helping your grandparents and your father on the farm, um, really bringing that family community together and that bond to help you, you know, steer you in the path of where you've gone down today. So, so well done, dad. <laughs> if he's listening. <laughs> um, mate, what is the number one tool in your business, whether it be software or hardware related that you use on a daily basis? Sure. I think, um, you know, I mean, just kind of as long as we're strolling down memory lane, I think that, I remember being this annoying kid and always asking questions when I was a kid and, and just my parents like eventually like, you know, just, just go look it up on the encyclopedia, you know, just didn't have Google back in the, you know, in the early eighties. Right. So, um, just this access to information. And I think that, you know, and again, information isn't knowledge, it isn't wisdom, but you know, the fact that if there's a business issue that we have and, uh, that we know about, but we aren't 100% an expert on, you know, well, you know, there's always a webinar or a certification I can, uh, it's a few clicks away online and, uh, uh, you know, can help us, uh, help solve those problems. Yeah. I think the, the, the value there for is is always be learning, right? You're constantly 
learning something, but you, you also have with that mind, of you're constantly asking the questions, right? And if you're not asking a question, you don't ever find the answer. And so being inquisitive is very, very important, I think, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. Um, mate, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure to date and what have you learned from that failure? Wow. Um, well, I think it, it's, it's what I've learned from my clients, right? So my clients, whether they're in their 50s, 60s, or 70s, they're always, their biggest failure often is that they didn't start you know, saving, investing sooner. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, while I was trading, you know, stocks in college, um, you know, I could have, you know, I could have spent less and put more in the markets and, and more into real estate at a, a, an earlier age. And I think that, uh, you know, because the sort of financial decisions you make in your, you know, in your early 20s and 30s, and they just ca- cascade through the rest of your life. So uh, uh, I don't beat myself up because there's nothing to do, do about it now. But uh, uh, that's, you know, one of the biggest things, uh, you know, that sort of the whole client base that kind of echoes. Right. And it goes back to your point before about continuing to be inquisitive about something and, and wanting to continue to learn and not just be like, oh, I know everything and, you know, I know how it is. And so I'm just not going to change and having the blinkers on. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it's really interesting to hear your perspective being that sort of um, puppeteer or maybe captain or, or quarterback, you know, in the financial advice to these different people and businesses and, and families to see those different failures that you that, that has transpired over time through not necessarily ignorance, but not, not necessarily wanting to learn anymore. And I think that is really where a lot of people fail in life is you've got to continue to learn, continue to grow. And as a business, and that, 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 that too is a bit, and that will help the business grow and that will help your financial freedom grow. So I think it's, it's, it's super sure. important to, um, to, ne- to never have the blinkers always on because you're just, it's, uh, it can be a path of, uh, of demise if, if you're not too careful. So yeah, well said, well said. Mate, mate, so um, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in and around your sphere. They want to check out maybe some of your webinars that you've got going on. You, you mentioned a few times here. Uh, where do they go? Sure. Uh, you know, they can go to the blog. It's planningtowealth.com. Uh, you know, there's you know, a lot of articles related to you know, different topics, whether you know, is uh, real estate the right thing for a bear market or, you know, is our opportunity zone investment right for you or, you know, you know uh, how big a home should you buy? And so uh, just <laughs> different, different uh, you know, different questions we like to answer and just give these different strategies and techniques at uh, planningtowealth.com. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you for jumping on the show today. Some of the big things that I took away, I think with the, at the beginning of the show, we talked a little bit about the five steps, the saving, investing, protection, minimizing tax, and uh, managing debt. I think they're really five key important takeaways that most people need to understand, or all, most people, all people need to understand when we're looking at their finance, financial future. Uh, and I also think that the, one of the big takeaways from today was changing financial behavior consistent with your values. And when you, when you look at your values and your core beliefs, that will help start to pave the road towards financial freedom. And whether you're a business owner or just getting started to, 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 to planning towards retirement, I think it's really super important and, and I'm really glad you hit on that. And, and one of the other things I'm really impressed is just your core beliefs that have come through today's show um, in order to help build, build your own business. And I think that's really, really important for everyone out there who is listening uh, in and around building a successful business and a long-term business is about that, that you know, starting a business around some core beliefs and values to then help propel that into growing and attracting more, more talent more clients and then ultimately more, more business. Um, mate, did I leave anything out? It sounds like you covered it. Um, <laughs> it's great chatting, talking to you today. Mate, look, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your week to drop by and we'll catch up soon. 
Take care. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from David. If you do have any questions for David, please jump over to his website and all the links from today's show will be on my website as well. So remember to click the podcast tab on my website at readgoosons.com. I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. We're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack. Thank you.